Welcome to Human Stories with Jill Hazard Rowe, where we explore humanity in all of its realms. We are so honored and excited to have Casey Martin as our guest today in the studio. Welcome, Casey. Hi, thanks for having me. Mm, our pleasure. I'm just going to, we're going to get right into it. I'm just going to turn the time over to you. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Chapter one, I am born. No. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm a literature nerd, so for all you Dickens fans out there. Um, yeah, it's actually interesting timing. I just got off a plane literally, I guess, like an hour and a half ago from uh, coming from Virginia to visit my family. My family lives there. Um, I grew up in Orlando, Florida. My family now lives in a town some people may have heard of called Lynchburg, Virginia. And I went to school there for undergrad and law school. I went to Liberty University. Um, and it's just always kind of, uh, I was funny, we were supposed to do this podcast last week, but then we couldn't because I was actually there seeing my grandmother. Um, and the podcast is about like sharing your experiences and sharing your story and feeling comfortable in your own skin. And there's no place that I feel less comfortable than in Lynchburg, Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's a difficult um, dichotomy sometimes to deal with coming from two different worlds or feeling like you're living in two different worlds. Um, so yeah, when I, when I go there, um, my family does not acknowledge my uh, sexuality or my relationship with now my fiance. Um, and it's very difficult. It's like being shoved back in the closet every time I go. And it's very difficult because I do love my family very much. I think a lot of people kind of get confused. They're like, well, why don't you just cut them off or, or why don't you just, you know, um, you speak your truth or whatever. And I have spoken my truth, but it's just a question of like, I do love my family. So I, I'm not, I don't want to like cut that off, but it's very difficult for me as well to kind of go back into that uh, shadow, I guess, that I've spent so many years kind of walking away from. So I'm happy to be back in Boston <laughs> doing this podcast right now. So um, when you were home last week, just no discussion. It's just like it isn't a reality. If you don't talk about yeah, it, it's not true. Yeah, it's very bizarre. So um I talk about this with my therapist because I'm a big advocate of therapy. Everyone should go to therapy. If you go to the gym for your body, you should go to therapy for your brain. <laughs> it's healthy. Um, but I talk about this with my therapist a lot. And it's almost like this ostrich syndrome of like, if you put your head in the sand, nothing bad is happening around you. Um, and I think all of my family definitely has that mentality. I mean, this this time I went home and it was a really big deal because... I decided that I was going to wear my engagement ring as the first time that I had. And it was a big step for me to just be like, I mean, my mom knows I'm engaged, but she didn't acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to wear this like physical symbol and then she'll have to like acknowledge it. But then you have that anxiety, right? Of like, Oh, what if she acknowledges it in a bad way? What if we fight? What if she yells? What if, uh, you know, your brain goes through all the infinities and I wore it and I was so nervous. I was so anxious. And the entire week, she did not say two words about the sparkly diamond on my hand. And I'm just like, oh, wow. my God. Like, <laughs> yeah, wow. it's like, um, like it wasn't yeah, it's, there. It's, it's, that's just like a, 
Yeah, it's like a micro example of kind of the macro problem. Um, it's like it doesn't exist. And if we don't talk about it, you know, it's very it's very much this like 1950s housewife mentality of like, oh, we don't talk about unpleasant things, right? So like we won't talk about the marriage that's about to happen next year. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Very strange. It's very difficult. Well, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry oh, that yeah. happened. Because I see it and it's beautiful. Shout out oh, to the you. ring. <laughs> Shout yes. out to my fiance. Very beautiful. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations to you and your fiance. Thank you. So Casey, you. do you want to back up your story like um, from the beginning, like about where you were raised and a little bit about your family now that, you know, rewind? Yeah, we can do that. I really jumped right in there. I have no, all that's emotions. good. Now, yeah. now, we're, now we are thinking about that. It was as we listened to your story. I gave you the teaser. Um, so I grew up in Orlando, Florida. My first job was at Disney World. It mm. was a very, very fun job. <laughs> it's actually my favorite job I've ever had. I mean, I was 16 and I was a lifeguard and it was the best. Um, and I guess even, I was going to say that's even before I, I started working there, actually, I should say, I, I first realized that I was attracted to women when I was 14. So pretty, pretty young. Mm -hmm. Um, it was pretty much like puberty and then women. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'll never forget it. I was at Halloween Horror Nights, which is this thing that Universal Studios does. And like there was, I was there with this silly boy that I could not have cared less about. And then like one of his friends was there, <laughs> it was a girl. And we basically ended up like hanging out the whole night. And um, she asked if I was, at the time she was like, are you bi? And I was like, no. And then I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was 2004. So it wasn't exactly uh, as, um, widely discussed as it is now we'll say and then I remember that like uh, my school like basically like my friends found out that like I was like potentially questioning and essentially I got like bullied at the school for it and it was miserable but um and then yeah I mean so my mom had like some indication even like then um so basically when she found out about that I actually got sent to therapy um at, where there was 16? like a very, I think I was 14 this time. I've been sent to therapy for being gay twice. So <laughs> first okay. go around, I was 14. Definitely like a pray to gay away effort taken there. Um, it did not work uh, either time, obviously. Um, but I didn't really want to be this way, if that makes any sense. I think it's, and maybe that's like kind of taboo for like younger, the younger generation, I guess I should say, but like, it was a different time and it it wasn't like I guess because my family was so religious like I grew up in a very religious home I didn't want like what I considered to be sin at the time to like kind of dictate who I was and so I thought like oh I can control this like I can I'm broken but I can fix myself right so you know I, obviously like looking back that's not correct. But at the time I was 14, 15, 16. I mean, even through, you know, we'll get there, but through my twenties, I was like, I'm broken. Like what's wrong with me. And it's really messed up because that's kind of what like the, I guess I, I don't want to say the church. Cause that's a very broad term. That's what my church kind of preached my whole life was like, God didn't make you this way. God can fix you. So if you pray hard enough, you'll find the right man and have kids and be normal do you and who wants 
Oh, I was just What's said, that? I was just going to say, do you feel comfortable in sharing what religion you were raised in? Oh, sure. So, um, I was raised Baptist, and I still consider myself to be a Christian. Obviously, a modified <laughs> version of that. Right. Um, I, I've definitely grown in my faith a lot, and I've it's become more of a personal relationship than a religion. Um, but I was raised. I guess I should specify. I was raised Southern Baptist, which is. I'm learning in my life in New England is different mm. <laughs> than any other type of Baptist. Um, you know, the liturgy is different. The preaching is different. Um, and I'll say like the tolerance for sin is very different. Um, it's not, very, not a very like open, uh, forgiving denomination, we'll say. Um, so, so that was very suffocating, I guess. Um, I ended up going to Liberty when I had just turned 17. I went there because my family was actually very good friends with the Falwells. Um, and my parents both went there. So it was kind of preordained, I guess, that I would go there too. And when I went there, I, I genuinely thought that this is my chance to kind of like straighten out all pun intended. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like this is my, this is my chance right, to like fix myself. Um, so I really like, I, I tried for, I will say like the first year to kind of conform, go to the prayer groups, listen in convocation, which is like chapel. Um, you know, I tried to kind of like walk the walk and I saw like all these girls around me that like, didn't seem to, I feel like I was the only one, right? So I was like, okay, if they're not struggling with this and they're fine, like I can be fine too. I can be normal. I can do this. And then my sophomore year, I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided to um, come out to someone on my hall. And at the time I came out as bisexual because frankly, I was scared to even like say the word lesbian, like <laughs> bisexual just sounded so much kind of like easier to say. <laughs> um, and so I came out as bisexual and she ended up telling my RA and my RA gave me the choice of essentially paying a $500 fine or going to therapy. <laughs> so I was sent back to therapy this time at Liberty. Um, and that was much more intense as far as the level of like basically like condemnation i guess that goes on and it, it's not like this brimstone and fire it's not the miseducation of cameron post where i'm getting shipped off to a camp right my college like i walked from class to this therapy session and nobody knew like where i was going or why i was going there it was kind of it was funny because it was like kind of like in a basement area like it was it's very like strange um but I just remember thinking like, maybe this, maybe this could work, right? Like, I, I don't know, maybe it could work. Maybe it could just make me like not feel this way anymore. And I could stop hating myself so much because there was so much hatred going on. Um, and eventually I convinced them essentially that like it had worked. I was like, oh, I'm all, I'm all cured. <laughs> I please make me stop going. <laughs> so I did not have to continue going, which was good. Um, so you, you lied your um, way out. <laughs> I did. I did. I was like, okay, like I can figure this out, but I would rather figure it out on my own because this is miserable. I've never been like a 
a group project person. Like, I don't want to go talk to people <laughs> like about yeah. my problems. Even, you know, at the time I was not big on therapy. I, you could see why I've only had negative associations with it until then. Um, but then, you know, fast forward to my senior year and lo and behold, I had a girlfriend. <laughs> so I guess uh, none of the therapy was really taking too well at any of the institutions because, um, yeah, so <laughs> I met she, someone my senior senior she, year. <laughs> she was also at your school. She was at my school. Yeah, she's a a great person that I still care about very much. Um, her name's Ashley, and she was like probably the best ex ever. <laughs> Honestly, like the nicest, just like greatest person. Um, and it's really sad because like the only reason that we like broke up was because we both were convinced that we were going to hell. And then she ended up like married to someone. And then of course I'm ended up over here, like married to an amazing person that I love so much, but it's just so weird how like your life can kind of like, you can try to avoid something for so long, but like who you are is who you're going to be. Right. <laughs> so it's just, it's just interesting. You know, we both had this very like, kind of horrible view of ourselves and now we've both come full circle and like have a great kind of love for ourselves and it's really nice to see but it's just like just one of those bizarre kind of life circumstances I guess that happened did you, um, did you like feel comfort when you found each other um just thinking that you were the sure. only one oh yeah uh, definitely um and I think that was probably part of what made like that relationship good was because it was this uh like finding like water in the desert or something right like we've been like wandering around <laughs> like the hebrews looking for canaan for so long and then it's like i found you <laughs> so yeah that was nice uh it was def definitely contributed to a, a shred of happiness for a while but then you know the self-loathing man it's really crazy they really like ingrain it into kind of the fabric of your mind that like, if you're, it's almost like just happiness, right? Like if you're happy then you must be like living in some kind of sin or doing something wrong, like the purpose of life is not to be happy. It's to like serve God. So if you're happy, then there's something you're probably wrong. sinning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that must've been, um, the dynamics between the two of you, like you found such comfort with each other and, and, but yet, then, like you said, the the loathing, like we can't be together, we'll go to hell, you know, just all the games, the mind, a hundred percent, telling 100%. you what you can and what you can't do, and like you said, you were happy uh -huh. together, but somehow it was yep. categorized as being bad, you know. A hundred percent, and it's hard. It's actually funny because. I, I'm a strong believer in like for every, everything has a consequence, right? It's like for every action and equal and opposite reaction. And when that relationship ended, I had such a deep seated kind of self-loathing that I saw my, I saw myself as so little. I saw myself as so small. I saw myself as so kind of like, I don't know, like maybe even like perverted is the word. I, I don't even know the word for how I like portrayed myself in my mind that I stumbled into what is literally the worst relationship of my life. And it was that toxic ex that like everyone has that one ex, right? That you think about and you cringe <laughs> and you're like, whoa, like I do not wish them well. 
And the reason that I like it was even exposed to that relationship was because of that worldview that had been like imposed on me for so long of like, you're not deserving, you're not accepted, you're not normal, you're not supposed to be this way. And it really, it really did like a, a lot of emotional damage to my mind. And it took me, I was in that, the bad relationship for over three years. Wow. And it took me, it, it took so much strength to like leave that situation. I actually, that I moved to New Jersey for that girl and I ended up moving into Manhattan by myself. I didn't know anybody in Manhattan <laughs> uh, except for my coworkers. Um, and I, I moved into a three bedroom apart or sorry, four bedroom apartment with three roommates by myself and started like a whole new life. And it wasn't really until I moved to New York that I started to actually like stop hating myself and start first I had to stop hating myself and then I had to start loving myself and those are two different journeys <laughs> to go right. on so right yeah and what I what I hear yeah. too from you from that second relationship it was toxic but yet you felt like that's what you deserved absolutely because that that's kind of what like if you're told your whole life right that like you're let's say you're told your whole life like you're an apple right and then you stumble upon an apple, you're like, oh, that's an apple like me. We should be together. I was told my whole life, like, you're not worthy. You're not normal. You're not supposed to be this way. Something's wrong with you. Like, no one's going to want you like this. So my whole life, you know, essentially, I should say my whole adult life, I had this kind of preconceived notion of like what my value was. And it was very little. So I came upon this person who evaluated me to the same little amount that I evaluated myself. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is, this is what I deserve. Like, yeah. this is what I'm, this is all I'm worth is this person. So I can't possibly do better because who would want me? Yeah. And then I moved to New York and I found out that's not true. <laughs> so, so what do you think? New York City. Yeah. What do you think happened or changed in New York City to make you start not hate, not only, like you said, stop hating yourself, but to start loving yourself. So I think, um, I think the first step was leaving the church bubble, um, kind of leaving. And it's, you know, I, I've come back to my faith, but I did have to leave my faith for a little while to find my faith um, and really redefine that. So that was definitely a big part of it, kind of walking away from, going to church every Sunday because going to church every Sunday made me feel like crap. <laughs> so right. I didn't go to church every Sunday when I lived in New York, I went to brunch, <laughs> right? Like I would go like to art museums and I would find new ways to kind of connect, you know, with myself. But I did separate from that a lot. I think, um, really putting myself out there, really like making myself do things that made me uncomfortable. And I don't mean like, you know, dangerous things, right? Like going on dates with people I don't trust, like nothing like that. But it was more like um, I would go to, for example, like a, a lesbian bar alone and just like meet people. Or I would, uh, you know, get on at the time, at the time I was using Tinder, <laughs> but I would get on Tinder and just like chat with people, even if we didn't go out, like even if I didn't date them, just like actually communicating with people that like one 
were interested in, in knowing who I am, were attracted to me, were like engaging with me, uh, made me realize that like, hey, th this person doesn't think I'm a horrible, you know, mutant. <laughs> Maybe right. other people won't either. Maybe they're onto something here. So it really did. And spending a lot of, I actually spent a lot of time alone. Like I've always been very extroverted and living in New York is maybe it's funny because it's maybe the loneliest you'll ever be, uh, is surrounded by that many people. Right. Like you can walk, you know, walk, I would go sit in times square at like two in the morning, not advised. Um, <laughs> I would go sit in times square at like two in the morning and just watch people and just kind of like sit with myself about like, what am I feeling? You know, who am I? What's something that I'm interested in? What's something that I'm really not interested in anymore? What are my values? Why do I have those values? A lot of like introspection, I think that I didn't really get to do before because I was constantly bombarded with like the outside voices. Right. So I think like that kind of all of the noise of New York drowned out all of the other noises that I've been hearing. And I could really just kind of like meditate or reflect on who I am and who I want to be. So gotta love New York Yeah, <laughs> where you find, you gotta find yourself, you know? <laughs> and I'm sure that you probably met women that were farther along in their journey of self-acceptance and self-love, which probably I would think it would empower someone to be able to witness that and see that. A hundred percent. The, the gays of New York are honestly the best, first of all. <laughs> Let me just say that. Gays in New York are the best. It's an amazing community. Um, it's very supportive. It's very diverse. Uh, and it's very proud. It's it's like the proudest community um, that I've, I've like ever seen, really. And so to, you know, kind of like immerse myself from being like, the opposite of pride, like I embodied essentially shame. <laughs> and right. then I walked into a city that embodies pride and founded essentially pride, literally founded pride at Stonewall. You know, it, it was so um, radical. And I owe so much to all of the individuals that I met there who just shared like that, right? Just shared their stories and just said like, oh, I know how that felt. I remember when I told my dad xyz and he kicked me out or oh yeah i grew up uh in a, in a catholic right i grew up jewish i grew up mormon whatever um the hearing all of those people that like came so far along in their journey and they're so comfortable with themselves seeing that like you can be that comfortable with yourself was incredibly inspiring because i i never even like i it was almost like i didn't know what it looked like to be gay. <laughs> like as crazy as that sounds. Like I had no idea like what I could look like, what I could dress like, you know, did I have to fit into a certain stereotype that I have to label myself, that I have to categorize myself? What if I all of a sudden woke up and was attracted to a man? What did that mean? What does that mean? And I think that like New York just teaches you that like that shit just doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like, and it's just wonderful, really. It's just the best word for it. So so much positive yeah. energy that you could just bathe in, you yeah. know, after years and Absolutely. years of doubting yourself and your worth, like just being in a space where everyone affirms you and everyone 
you know, just through yeah. the happiness they have. It's like, oh, okay, I can do this. Like, it's okay. Absolutely. I, I went to my first Pride in New York in 2018, and it was, like, literally life-changing. Um, and it's funny because when I was, like, living back in Virginia and, like, you know, figuring stuff out, I always said, like, oh, like, I'm gay, but, like, I'm I'm not going to be, like, the person you see, like, waving the Pride flag. Like, that's just not me. That's just not my style. And I found out that, like, what I really meant by that was, like, I was still ashamed of myself. I was still not willing to like be proud of myself. And that's not, that's not to slight anyone who doesn't, you know, who doesn't wave a pride flag or whatever. But the second that I went to that pride parade, I was like, give me the flag. <laughs> let's go. Let's, let's wave that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, let's do this. Like it was like this, um, really inspiring again inspiring freeing liberating um experience and I was like holy cow like just this moment of like I'm here like I'm here and I I'm I am who I am and I'm okay with it and it feels so good it felt so good it's and it still feels good honestly I mean that was 2018 and here we are in 2022 I know time is kind of frozen with COVID but um, you know, I still think back to my, I guess my New York days and I'm still like, I feel so liberated just in who I am and who I continue to grow to be. So did you take a picture my, of that, of you waving that flag? Cause I have a visual in my head. I do have a picture of me at that pride parade, holding up a pride flag oh. actually. And you know, I, I'm in my very first, um, the first gender trader shirt that I ever made, it was like a gray, like basic t-shirt. I just ordered like a mock-up of it and I'm wearing it. <laughs> I love oh, that picture. You've got to send that to me. You've got to send that to me. <laughs> I will. So, I was so young. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think probably flying that flag, I think a lot of people think, why, why do people have to do that? Or why are they so, you know, out there? I don't think individuals realize the symbolism behind all of it the f the freedom that one feels when you finally embrace who you are and you're able to take that flag as a symbol and fly it you know to show it yeah a hundred percent and you really won't feel it you won't you won't understand it until you feel it yeah and you and some people might never and that and that's okay if that's their journey that's their journey but there is something it's almost like a, this confidence that you get in like embracing yourself and then displaying that pride you have for who you are to the world like it's almost like an open invitation like you're kind of telling the world like say what you want do what you want because i am who i am i am fearfully and wonderfully made whatever you want to say and nothing can stop me nothing can change me yeah, to put it in spiritual terms, right. if I can be so bold, yeah. it's like you're born again. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. And that's, well, <laughs> the Lady Gaga lyrics, right? Like, born this way. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it, yeah, it, it really is um, a rebirth, a reawakening, a revival of your soul. Like, it's, it's really empowering. So wow. if you haven't been to a pride parade go, people. <laughs> it's yeah. great. Yeah, Especially pretty... in New York. Go to New York. Go to New York. Love it. Love it. So how long were you in New York City? So I worked in New York for three years before I moved to New York. And then I lived in Manhattan for two years and then COVID hit. 
Um, actually, what really happened was I met my now fiance and COVID coincided with me moving for her anyways. <laughs> so technically it was the universe speaking from all directions that so, I should leave New York. <laughs> oh, so you left New York and went to Boston for your now fiance. Yes. So I, I went from New York. I met my, I've actually met my, is another reason you should go to pride everyone. I met my fiance on my birthday, which is during New York pride. So literally my birthday is the anniversary of the Stonewall riots, June 29th. So <laughs> the gayest birthday you could have. Yeah. Um, and I was having a big, um, like a big birthday party on this boat, like a lobster boat that is like basically just like a booze cruise. Um, and she was like a friend of a friend and she just like showed up and I was like, Oh my God, I feel like I like know you. And she was like, I know same. Um, and then fast forward, <laughs> you know, that was in 20, I was 2019. So we're about to celebrate our three year anniversary at the end of this month. So we met in June and by September we were an official couple. The boat was named Destiny. So Oh, there you go. You <laughs> should know. Destiny. <laughs> yes. It's, it's your destiny, Destiny. <laughs> but so she lived in, oh, yeah. in Boston, so you had to make that decision to move with her. She did live in Boston. Um, and she's a pediatrician, so not really easy for her to move. And then it actually is funny because I got a new job in New York, like right in 2021, I got a new job in New York, but everyone was working remote still. So I could actually work from a New York firm in Boston, which is what I'm still doing. Um, so it's very strange. Like I live in Boston and my law firm, my office is in New York. So I do go to New York pretty often for, oh, okay. for working and stuff, but where did you go to law school? Did you go to... I went to law school at Liberty. Oh, really? So you spent seven years there. I did. I will say the law school was different in that they definitely had more of an academic focus than a spiritual focus, I should say. Okay. Um, I definitely had a different experience at law school. I had my own like personal struggles I was going through at that time. Um, but it was much less kind of imposing than the undergrad. Um, I certainly would not have been like sent to therapy. I, I think cause it's like a graduate school. So it's like, we're all adults. Like, what right. are you going to do? <laughs> right. Um, you know, very different mentality. I mean, there were certainly like religious undercurrents, um, but it was not as blatant as I would say the undergrad was. So yeah. Dif different experience, same same school, different experience. <laughs> right. What kind of law do you practice? I do civil defense litigation. I used to do medical malpractice, um, and I've done securities and investment fraud. But right now I do civil defense. So, you know, someone walks into this studio right now and trips and falls and hurts themselves. I would represent the studio, basically. Oh, good. I'm glad you represent us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've represented both sides now. So I know I can argue all sides of the coin. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So that's, I guess that's my, my, 
life so far. <laughs> yeah. So you're engaged. You're engaged to be married next year, 2023. Yeah, we're getting married. I keep saying September 29th. That's not when I'm getting married. That is our dating anniversary. And I have to just stop thinking that because I'm going to miss my wedding day. Yeah. We're getting married September 23rd, 2023, 23, 23. Oh, I like um, it. Thank you. I tried to, we tried to pick an easy date for me and yet I still forget it. So, you know, but, um, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of planning. My fiance is, um, Indian doing an Indian ceremony and an American ceremony. So there's a lot happening right now. Wow. Is it going to be, um, is your ceremony going to be in Boston? It's actually going to be in Hudson Valley, New York because her family lives in New Jersey. Most of my friends are still back in New York. Actually, my coworkers are in New York too. <laughs> so, um, that and works. honestly, the venues in Massachusetts were crazy expensive, so. So can I ask, this is her story, but I was just wondering if your fiance's family is supportive. They are, they are, I'm very grateful for them. Um, it's so weird. I almost got like emotional thinking about <laughs> thinking about them. That's so bizarre. Um, I'm very grateful for them. They are very supportive. Um, apparently they, they had their own journey as far as, you know, getting acceptance. Um, I, I've been told that meeting me helped them along that journey. Um, because I guess they could see that I mean, you can tell when someone like loves your child, right? right. <laughs> like it's pretty apparent that we love each other. Um, anyone who meets us can kind of see that right away. Um, so yeah, they, they had their own journey. They have come to full acceptance. I'm actually traveling to India next month to meet her extended family, um, cousins and aunts and uncles. And I've never left the country before, so that's going to be interesting, <laughs> Wow! but yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, so that, they're very supportive. That makes me a little emotional too. I'm so happy that your fiance's right? family and extended family yeah. is welcoming. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll circle around to your family. So how many siblings mm. do you have? I have no siblings. Oh, you're the only child. So much focus yeah. on you. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, it's funny because when I say that, everyone's like, oh, that must be so great. And no. I'm like, no, it's miserable. It's like a funnel. Yeah. Like all of the weight. Of you the are family. everything, everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, it's funny. I always joke. I feel like Atlas and mythology, like holding up the universe because it's like my whole family. It just all trickles down. Um, And although I will say like my mom certainly takes on plenty of familial burdens herself that do not trickle down to me. And I appreciate that. Um, but ultimately it trickles down to me, <laughs> like yeah. who's going to take care of my mom and my parents are divorced. So it's like me, my mom, my grandparents, my uncle, I have no cousins. Like it's just no me. cousins. Nope. I wow. mean, I do on my dad's side, but I don't, I don't talk to him. So I don't talk to them. Like, okay. yeah, yeah. You do get a lot so of attention whether you want it or not. <laughs> so oh, much no. it's too it's too much what i wouldn't give for an annoying sibling or two right now like holy cow it just is yeah it's a lot yeah so i have a yeah. question but i think i might know the answer has your fiance <laughs> met your mom 
Uh, tragically, no. We, not last October, I think the October before, it was like still during COVID, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, it'd be the October before. Um, we actually booked a trip to Virginia and I invited my mom to lunch in like a public place. Like I didn't, I wasn't going to like show up at her house and invade her space. I was like, Nisha and I, that's my fiance's name, Nisha. Nisha and I are going to be in town on this day. I would very much like to get lunch with you so that you can meet her. It's very important to me. And long story short, she said no. And yeah, (laughs) she refuses to meet her. And it's very upsetting. It's very upsetting, especially when you're planning a wedding. Right. Like as much joy as you can have planning your wedding is, is always kind of cut short because there's people that you want there that won't be there. Right. So that it definitely is. It's painful, really. That's the only word for it. It's just painful. Absolutely. You know, every milestone in your life, you want your, your mom to be there, right? Of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, we just bought a house. Like, I, you know, we're engaged. We bought a house. Like, we're in India. <laughs> like, all these big things yeah. that, like, I want to share. This is real. Share with her. Yeah. And I don't get to share any of it. It's very sad. Heartbreaking, honestly. Well... I don't know, maybe I'm optimist or maybe because I've seen my own self change from being pretty orthodox LDS, you know, I think there's, mm-hmm. there's room there for her to change. So I, I continue to hold out the faith as well. I don't know how it comes about, but I, I hold out hope <laughs> just yeah. like you do. Yeah. I will not give up. <laughs> yeah. Well, just, uh, I hope it's sooner rather than later. Let's say that. Yeah, absolutely. So do you want to, um, yep. is there anything about your own personal story that we've left out or that you want to share with the human stories audience? We can talk about gender trader. Yeah, that, that that's oh, what I was going to say next. Yeah. <laughs> want to yeah, talk I'm about like, well, again, nonprofit. A positive. Yeah. So I do, um, when I did go to that pride, uh, parade in 2018 like I said it was very inspirational um, and at the time I was just beginning um, a brand called Gender Trader yes I totally took that from Handmaid's Tale <laughs> because that's totally what they call gay people and I was like I love that I'm rebranding that that's amazing <laughs> so that's the brand um, it's copyrighted the logo so that's exciting to me that makes my lawyer brain very happy <laughs> yeah everything's in um, check yeah Yes, everything has been checked. Um, But yeah, basically, I sell t-shirts, which is like the most upfront part. Um, But the thing that I enjoy about it the most, and that I would actually like to get like more traction on is um, we have a blog on the website. And there's blogs that I do. And then there's blogs that I invite my followers and guests and whoever um, really wants to to share as well. Um, I'm, I'm personally someone who's always found writing to be very cathartic. Um, I really enjoy writing fiction. I enjoy writing my blog posts. I enjoy, actually enjoy even like legal writing. Like I just enjoy writing. Um, so I was kind of hoping and like reaching out to see if like other people also enjoyed that. And, um, apparently I'm not the only one because (laughs) there have been a lot of submissions from 
people I know, people I don't know, people I've met, people I've never met. Um, and the whole idea of it is really to just like give one, give people an outlet to give people that representation that pride, you know, really gives us. Um, and then three, like build a community. Like it's great when I like get messages from people, like I'll get messages from people on our Instagram page and you know, they're struggling with, um, transitioning or, you know, coming out to their family or whatever the case may be. And I can say, oh, I know someone who messaged me about this recently. You should really connect with them. Like, let me reach out to them and see if they'd be interested. So even if it's something that like I can't, you know, maybe can't attest to or I can't speak to because I've never been through it, I can at least like try to like get them in the right direction of like, oh, I think I know someone who might might want to chat with you or whatever. Um, and then the other element of it is we donate money to different, I always say different souls in need because I've donated to uh, when like the wildfires happened in Australia, I donated to like save koalas. We've donated to like a horse, an equine like therapy place that helps people with like anxiety and also helps horses. Um, we've donated to an individual who needed uh, funding for their top surgery. Um, so we've donated to like a, a hostel. <laughs> like we donate to like all kinds of places, whatever, whatever we're able to like donate, whenever I actually, whenever I make any like shred of money, um, I donate it to all of these different places basically. Um, so that's always exciting. We did actually have a, an in-person event at Pride Fest in 2019 in New York, which was really cool. Um, we actually had like a booth and we sold out of all of our stuff basically, which was amazing. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting back and doing some of the in-person stuff again, because I really, I like meeting humans. That's yeah. what, that's the fun part of it. <laughs> meeting the people. Yeah. So, yeah. So how would, how would our um, audience find that blog? You can go to gender trader shop.com. Okay. Um, and and that... then it's like right on the uh, homepage. It'll be like blogs. And then there should be like about the author or sorry, from the author and then guest submissions. And um, you can email me directly, Casey Martin at gendertradershop.com or info at gendertradershop.com if you want to submit something or just connect with me. We're on Instagram, gendertradershop. Um, we do have a Twitter. We don't use Twitter. Don't go to Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I have a Facebook. Um, should be just gender trader or gender trader shop. You get the theme. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much if you if you Google gender trader, it's either gonna be our website or handmade sale. So <laughs> pick the Google right one. Gender trader. Yeah, pick the right one. You'll know. You'll, You'll see know. the logo pretty quickly. <laughs> if you see Elizabeth Moss, you're in the wrong place. But other than that. <laughs> oh yeah. That is something that I it's like I call it my passion project. Um because it's just I don't know, it feels nice. It feels good to make other people feel good about themselves. And that's really kind of what I aim to do. Well, and, and you're a great resource to bring people together. Like you said, if I can't help someone, oh, I have a friend or I know someone that can talk to you. And yep, so exactly, you're doing a great service there. Thank you. Well, Casey, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I feel like you're amazing. Can I just give oh, a shout out you. to Casey Martin? <laughs> uh, what thank an amazing woman and, and how thankful I am that you got past the years of being told that you weren't enough and that now you know you're more than enough and um so happy for you and your beautiful fiance and 
that her family is embracing and that, you know, you have, you have a great life ahead of you. And thank you. You know, of course (laughs) I hope and pray whatever that looks like that your mom will also be willing to listen to the stories. I think we were talking about that before we came on, you know, that, Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Just the idea of listening to people's stories. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we were talking about this before we came on, and it really kind of resonated with me when you said that. Even though it was just like a passing statement, I was like, "That's so true." Because the first, it's kind of like that old saying, like the first step to admitting you have a problem is, or the first step to solving a problem is admitting you have the problem. The first step to like growing is just even being willing to listen to other people, listen to what they're going through, listen to what they've been through, you know, listen to their experiences, listen to their struggles. And it's definitely like, it's, it's hard for some people because they don't want to hear what they don't want to hear. Like as silly as that sounds, they don't, they, they already kind of assume what you're going to say. So they just stop listening before they even start listening. And it's really sad because I really see like, I see it in my family on like a micro scale. I see it on, on like, and I, and I won't get into politics at all, of course, but I do see it on like a, a national scale. I see it on a global scale. I see people just stop listening, stop growing, stop dialoguing, stop communicating and Instead, they would rather block and tweet mean things and repost mean things and like create all of this kind of animosity when so much of that could be solved from just like, like, just stop talking, like, just listen, just yeah. listen to what the other person is saying for once. Like, I, I, I know that's ironic because I've just yeah. talked this whole time, but <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I feel like humans are so much more alike than they are different. But I agree with you, we have lost the gift of conversation and sitting with other people that maybe don't believe or think like we do and learning from each other, you know. So then that just cancels out all the good that we could be doing together because we already know, (laughs) assume we know what humans are thinking. It's very sad. It's very, it's like watching society kind of like revert and move backwards. And it's very disheartening. Again, I guess I hold out hope that, you know, even these conversations that we're having right now will like kind of create some dialogue, but it's just, it's so much easier to sit and scroll and block and ignore than to engage, to respond, to listen, to learn, to grow. Nobody wants to do that. And it's very, you know, it's not beneficial to our our society at all, in my opinion. And it, I certainly see it again with, with my own family. I see it and it's it's upsetting in many ways, for sure. Yeah, I agree. We can do better. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, Amen. Um, <laughs> I don't know. This is sort of a weird question, but I want to ask you, where do you picture yourself in five years? <laughs> Married. <laughs> yes, that's next year. That's actually the first time I could say that to answer that question. <laughs> yeah. I will definitely be married. Um, I would love to have a kid, honestly. Um, 
my fiance is a few years younger and I always tell her that we're on like <laughs> different biological clocks. Like I'm 32. So like, I'm, I want, I want babies. Oh, <laughs> my body is ready. <laughs> I want babies. <laughs> so hopefully a kid, um, would be great in five years. Um, honestly, this sounds really bad, but maybe not being a lawyer <laughs> anymore. Oh, <laughs> <Sounds great laughs> hope your boss that's, isn't listening. <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah. think they will. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a pretty draining career for anyone who's anyone who's a lawyer understands. It doesn't. It's not a very um, it's not a very fulfilling career, and it's not a very sustainable career because it's one of those careers that the more you give, the more it takes from you. <laughs> right. Um. So yeah, it's just very draining, and I would love to find a career that kind of um. I don't know, maybe uses some of my skills a little bit better, ignites my passions a little bit more, kind of kind of searching right now to figure out what that path might be. But that's definitely a potential five-year <laughs> thought. We'll have maybe to see. see what's going on in 2027 <laughs> in the life of Casey Martin. Oh, my Martin. gosh. Oh, that sounds so be, far away. It's going to be fun to watch. Away. Oh, no, it'll be like tomorrow we'll wake up. It'll be 2027. <laughs> so Happens scary. fast. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, those things, those are the three big ones, I would say. I like to be married, kids, and, and a new, new, exciting career, potentially. <laughs> Figuring it out. I like it. Yeah. Yep. I have Gotta to figure it out while you're young, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was going <laughs> to ask you about gender trader, which we've covered. Is there anything else that you're thinking of that you say, oh, I mean, I can, I can tell just in your disposition as we're discussing like going from that dark place to how you are now and how happy you are and how radiant you are you know gives hope I think to any queer person that's listening that there is a better way or better life waiting for you a hundred percent and like I said it's it's getting easier I would say now I, I guess I guess easier isn't really the word because I don't want to kind of uh, mitigate someone's journey but it's, there is more support now than there has been. Right. I will say that. And I think the more that we keep making the little milestones, the more that those turn into the big milestones. Um, and I think that's really encouraging to see. I just, I wish there was a way that I could like go back. And I, it's funny because like I said, my, my family lives in the town where I went to school and it's almost like walking through like a graveyard of who I used to be. And I wish that I could go back. Oh, I'm like getting emotional. <laughs> I wish I could go back and like ha have a, have a cup of coffee with myself. Like I want to go back in time. You know, maybe that's like one of those questions they're like, if you could go back in time, who would you have dinner with? I'm like, I kind of want to have dinner with myself. Like I kind of right. want to tell myself, you are, and that sounds narcissistic, I guess, but really my answer is Emily Dickinson, but I also <laughs> want to do it with myself and I want to tell myself that like, it gets better. I'm like, you are enough. You are beautiful. You are again, fearfully and wonderfully made. Like you are worthy and <laughs> like there is a a beautiful rainbow colored light at the end of this dark tunnel and it is going to be so fantastic when you get there <laughs> so just like keep keep walking like keep going 
and like maybe like tell myself like to just take a moment to like smell the roses and just like enjoy and stop focusing so much on like criticizing yourself and trying to make yourself better and just focus on like how wonderful you actually are in that moment like for anyone who's like really feeling like not enough right now like I'm here to tell you, you are absolutely enough. Whether you believe that right now or not, you hopefully will believe it soon if you do not right now, because I have been to <laughs> the dark side of the moon and I have come out and uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful journey when you can look back and really kind of see the growth that you've made and hopefully the growth that I continue to make because I think if you're not growing as a person, you pretty much stop living. So mm-hmm. I'm also excited to see how I continue to grow over the next, I guess, five years or so. But yeah, it's, it's, it, it gets better. <laughs> We're going to be like creepily stalk, stalking you now <laughs> in the next oh, five fine. years and watch. And... I mean, I pretty much post everything on Instagram, so you'll see it all. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. We don't really have yeah. an inside track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll send you guys messages. I'll send you, we could do um, like Christmas cards. Yes. <laughs> I'll send you Christmas cards. <laughs> Definitely. We want to keep in touch with you. And if you ever do come to Utah, please reach out. We'd love to take you to coffee and and just get to see you in person. We'll give you a big, big yeah. hug. Big, big love mama to see hug. Some of the park, and some of the parks out there too just look amazing. Yeah. A big definitely. hiker. So. Oh, <laughs> give me that. <laughs> yeah. You definitely need yeah. to come here if you're a hiker. Yes, definitely. I've heard it's gorgeous. So I yeah. will put it on the top of top of my list. Utah just bumped up the top of the list. That's for sure. And bring your fiance. <laughs> Mostly please. for the hug. Yeah. Bring oh, your fiance. Of course. Of course. That's, so, a, that's implied. <laughs> for the audience, you know, um, Casey reached out to us and I asked her, you know, a little bit about her story and she shared it and I don't know. I just feel like sometimes the stars align, like your story is so important. And, you know, sometimes I want to get out of Utah and Mormonism and get other stories because, you know, being a homophobe and all that is just not in the Mormon church. It's a society problem, societal problem that we need to address. And so thank you for being willing to, to tell your story to us. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. It's nice to be heard (laughs) absolutely all right well let's keep in touch and thanks again and this is jill hazard Rowe with human stories